today I will be reading Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before slime, or they will tremble under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Thank you, Jackson. Fantastic job. Uh, We are in Matthew chapter 7, so if you want to turn your Bibles there, that's where we're going to be in our lesson this morning. We are in the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we're going to uh, begin by looking at some of the the words that Jesus says, particularly dealing with the way that we view others and in the way that we judge others. Uh, It's just about impossible to not form judgments. Um, that's something that, that is, is uh, universal to human beings. It kind of has to be to an extent. Uh, what I mean is our bodies are designed to see things and to make judgments about them, to, to stereotype in, in certain ways. And some of that is absolutely essential. What, what I mean is if I see an apple and I've never eaten that apple before, it's my first time to ever see it, I can look at it. I can tell what it is by the shape of it, by the fact that I've seen other apples before, and I can pretty much uh, infer from that that uh, I can eat that apple, right? Now, maybe it's poison, I don't know, like there might be, but you can look at something, and even if you've never seen that specific thing before, you have to categorize it based on the other things that you've seen before. And that's, that's true with apples, that's true with chairs, that's true with cars, that's true with like everything you do. Even if it's your first time to see it, you categorize it based on your experiences with similar things, and then you make judgments. That, that's, that's like a really important function of our brains. If our brains did not do that, then we would not be able to survive. We wouldn't know how to eat, we wouldn't know how to sit, we wouldn't know how to travel. It's like you have to be able to do that in order to function as a human. However, there are times where that system that's in place that helps us know how to respond to all the stimuli around us that's entering into our brains, there are times that it can misfire or go awry. Uh, Famously, that happens a lot of times with the way we see other people. You'll see another person, and you'll think about other people you've seen who look like that. Or other people you've seen who dress like that. Or other people you've seen who, uh, who were in that particular place. And all of a sudden you start making judgments about that person. Even though you've never seen that person before and you don't know that person. You start to judge that person based on your experiences with what you consider to be similar things. And there are times maybe that can be helpful in some instances. But we also know of many times that that can lead you very much in the wrong direction. We know very often that can lead you to make incorrect assumptions about people. Um, that, the misfiring of that system in our brains has led to a lot of hardship and a lot of evil in the world around us. Um, and so, as we consider Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, I don't know that we can get around the fact that we will see people and we will often categorize them. But I think we can learn ways of doing that and maybe of putting a couple of measures in place that can help us uh, not cause harm to the kingdom 
not cause harm to others, and approach all people we meet with an overwhelming abundance of grace and love rather than what sometimes is our like predisposition, which is judgment and in, in harshness. Um, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 begins with the famous words, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Or, judge not lest ye be judged, uh, is, is the way that uh, I've very, very commonly quoted. From, from the King James, this is one of those verses that even people who aren't Christians a lot of times know it. This is one of those verses that leaps off the page and it has made a, a, an impact in a lot of people's lives. And there's, there's reasons for that. Because people use this verse from the Bible. This is a verse that like people always want to have on their hip, ready to draw at a moment's notice. Uh, and it might be, and I think this is often the case, There are people who know nothing about the Bible. They don't listen to Jesus at all. They are not influenced in the tiniest way by the morals or the ethics of God, whether it comes uh, with their sexual lives or whether it's uh, the way they treat others or whether it's the words that they use. Like like nothing that they say or do could be described as Christ-like. But they know this verse because the second that somebody says, You probably ought to not do that. They can say, judge not lest you be judged. And all of a sudden, they have flipped it on you to where you're the judgmental bad person, and they can continue living their lives however they so please, completely ignoring Jesus 99.9% of what he says, except for this one verse right here. Um, That happens. That happens a lot. I've I've seen that on Facebook posts. I've seen it in discussions, like conversations people are having. This is a verse that people use. Uh, They can use it to justify just about anything, right? However, the flip side of that, and I think I've seen this just as much, is there are people who know this verse. They're well aware of this verse too. But they also like to judge other people a whole lot. And so what do you do with a verse like this when you want to judge another person? Well, you find another verse that you like a little bit better, and you focus on that one, and you, you silence this one. Um, there's a famous one in John chapter 7. There, Jesus says to judge using righteous judgment. And people will say, okay, you told me not to judge. Well, I'm just judging using righteous judgment, and that's what Jesus tells me to do. Little do they know, if you go and read John chapter 7, Jesus is not talking about the way that you judge other people in that passage. That is not, he, he is talking to people who are not getting his identity, and he keeps doing signs to reveal his identity, and they are condemning him as a lunatic, and he's telling them, hey, use better judgment than that. Judge with righteous judgment. He's talking about the way we judge him and come to discover who he is. He's not talking about the way that we pick and choose how to condemn one another and other people. Um, However, it is certainly the case that if you read through the Bible, yes, sinful things are called sinful things. Like, that, that's part of it. Uh, if you read through the Bible, yes. I mean, even just keep reading in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is going to talk about uh, uh, the, the fruit that, that certain trees bear. Certain trees bear good fruit and certain trees do not. And, like, you should be aware of that. He tells you to beware of false teachers who come to you in uh, sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Well, if you are not going to put on your, your you know, inspector's glasses or whatever uh, in any way, then you're just going to be led astray by anyone. Like, you have to be able to make some judgments, but how is it that we apply this verse while still making some judgments? I think one, one key is uh, to understand that the word judge— 
we use it a lot of different ways. And I would say we primarily use the word judge to mean like determine the accuracy of something. Uh, You know, a judge determines who is innocent and who is guilty. Uh, I don't think that's the primary way Jesus is using it right here. I don't think that Jesus is so much saying, uh, you know, do not, uh, like, look critically at something to determine whether it's true or false. I think what he's talking about is the word condemn. You could just—oftentimes, the word condemn and the word judge, the way they're translated, they're the exact same word. It just kind of context determines whether or not you translate it that way. I think Jesus is saying, don't go around being a condemning person who sees others and is constantly condemning them. Uh, Because if you are a condemning person, then God will treat you the way you treat others. So that, that is the logic that appears throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Even back in the Beatitudes where Jesus says, uh, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you are merciful to other people, God will be merciful to you. If you withhold mercy from others, then you might find a merciless God. Um, the, the same thing is in chapter 6, right after the Lord's Prayer. When, when he says uh, that—I'll uh, I'll read it to you— For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And what he's saying right there is, if you want mercy, give mercy. If you want to be forgiven, forgive. Like, God will treat you in in a reciprocal way to how you treat others. And that's actually, this is, it's not only in the Sermon on the Mount. That happens a bunch in the Gospel of Matthew and other places in the New Testament where we come to find out that God cares about how we treat others. And if you want a stingy, critical, uh, unforgiving, merciless, cruel judge, then treat others that way. Look at others and exercise no grace. Look at others and forget about mercy. Look at others and withhold forgiveness. And if you do that in the way you treat others, what you're doing is you're asking God to do that to you. Because God wants his goodness to spread among his people. And God is merciful. And God is forgiving. And God is loving. And God is kind. And so he wants us to treat others in that way. And so if you want mercy... Yeah, God's merciful. He'll give you mercy. But the challenge is for you to extend mercy to others so that other people can see the mercy of God through you. And if you want uh, to, to experience forgiveness, great. God offers it. God is as forgiving as anyone could ever imagine. But he wants to challenge you to extend forgiveness to others so that other people can see the unbelievable forgiveness of God through you. Like, you get to be a small picture of the goodness of God. So the way that you forgive will be indicative of how he forgives. So be forgiving if you want to be forgiven. Like, be merciful. And maybe give up on condemning others so much. Maybe be a little bit less critical and harsh in the way that you judge. Because Jesus says right here, judge not so that you will not be judged. And then in verse 2, he describes what he's talking about a little bit. For in the way you judge you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And so if you have your ruler out and you're looking at all the other people and seeing whether or not uh, they measure up to your expectations of what they ought to be, and if anyone has anything that's out of place or anyone has anything that doesn't measure up to your standard, well, then you can expect God to be taking that same measurement 
and putting it up to you and saying, okay, well, let's look at you now. And again, one of the ways you can silence this verse is by saying something like, well, I'm just judging using righteous judgment, and then you go and be condemning and judgmental. Or another way you can silence this verse is you could say, but read that. He's only talking about hypocritical judgment. So as long as I'm not doing the exact same thing as you, then I can judge you all I want. Like, like if you cussed at your mailman and told him to have a bad day, as long as I don't do that exact same thing, I can judge you for that. By the way, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. But, uh, but the point is sometimes people can look at another person's actions and it's like, there's no introspection at all. As long as I'm not doing the exact same thing as you. And I wonder if Perhaps that's why Jesus earlier in the Sermon on the Mount likens things like murder to insulting others and to hatred. Because you can say, well, I've never done that. And then if you say, I haven't done that, then it's like, you don't think you have any faults. It's like, if you can't see your own faults, if you don't feel your own failures when you're talking to someone else about theirs— then you're probably not in a position to talk to someone else about their failures. If you don't recognize your own sinfulness as you approach someone else about their sinfulness, then you should probably not do that because you're going to be approaching them from the wrong posture. We, you're going to have to talk to people sometimes about actions that they're involved in that, that they shouldn't be doing because everyone does that. And if we're a committed family of believers who loves each other, who cares for each other, who works through things together, then yeah, that's something. Those are, those are the hard conversations that we have to have. But what is your posture as you do it? I think what Jesus is calling us is not to have a critical, judgmental, cruel, merciless, unforgiving posture but to approach people with an abundance of love and grace and the goodness of God. Approach people out of a genuine love for who they are and for who God created them to be and for what they could be and how maybe sin is holding them back from what God has created them so that, so that something beautiful could actually come here. I, I don't think the way you read this is you say, oh, okay, so we never ever talk to anyone about sin ever again. That wouldn't be a helpful solution either. And that's not the way the early church practiced it. But how do you approach them? If you are cruel and unloving, well, with the judgment you use to others, it'll be judged back to you. So I wouldn't go that route. I would try to be as understanding, patient, loving, and helpful as possible. Because there's nothing wrong with talking to another person about their spiritual struggles and trying to work through it with them, trying to offer encouragement, trying to be a helping and loving hand. But there is something wrong with looking at someone else's failures, pretending like you don't have any, setting yourself above them, and then condemning and judging them for it. That's where sometimes I think we go wrong. That's where it, you get the, the funny picture of someone with a big log sticking out of their eye, ridiculing the person next to them for the, for the speck in their eye. Jesus is saying, don't do that. But again, we talked about how, uh, how quickly we form judgments about others. It's something we do naturally. Our brains are like designed to immediately uh, be able to stereotype and to categorize things, people, events, objects, like all of that. We do it without even consciously thinking about it. It's just the way our brains are wired and the way that they work. But so often when we do that, it's like if I see someone on the street and uh, I see a parent who like loses their cool and yells at their kid in a parking lot, you could walk away thinking, man, what a bad parent. 
But I have seen perhaps that parent after two hours of being pushed to the edge and like they finally lose their cool and maybe that was not the right way to handle it. But so often we can see a snippet of somebody else's life and then make a broad judgment about the type of person that that human is based on that brief snippet. And so often that will give us the incorrect image of another person. And what's interesting is that we don't do that to ourselves. Like, we don't judge ourselves by the worst snippet that could be seen of our day. We judge ourselves based on so much more than that. It's like, okay, yeah, that was a bad moment, but it's not who I am. It's like, you know, I might have made a mistake there, but it's not, that's not like me. That was, that was a bad mistake that I made, but me is so much better than that. We don't always give other people that same leniency. We don't always give other people that same benefit of the doubt. Uh, there's a quote from a book, uh, Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And uh, it's a good book and it's a good quote. He says, uh, We think we can easily see into the hearts of others based on the flimsiest of clues. We jump at the chance to judge strangers. But we would never do that to ourselves, of course. We are nuanced and complex and enigmatic. But the strangers are easy. You know, it's like when I look at other people, oh, it's easy to figure out. That person's a jerk. That person's rude. That person's impatient. That person's this, 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 and this, and this. But me, it's like, yeah, I have goods and bads. I have highs and lows. Overall, I'm a good person, but I don't always live up to that. Like, we look at ourselves as these nuanced, complex creatures, and we so often simplify who another person is based on the action that they did that I didn't like. And so because of that, we can look around and we see a a driver— who's clearly, you know, angry. And uh, we think, man, what an angry, horrible person that is based on like a three-second window into their life while they were in traffic. Maybe they are an, an angry, uncool person. But, uh, but it's also very possible that we saw them at a moment of frustration and we saw them at their worst. And perhaps we shouldn't extrapolate from that as to who they are as a person. When you're walking and and you call out to someone and they pass by and ignore you, you could think, oh, what a self-centered person. What a person who, uh, you know, doesn't care about others or that person doesn't like me. And we could take that and we could interpret it in the least sympathetic way possible to make that person thoughtless, uncaring, self-centered, and all of these different things when it's also possible that they're going through something and they're deep in thought about whatever that is and they just didn't even, didn't even register. And yet so often we don't give that benefit of the doubt. We should be careful not to immediately attribute every negative action we see of others to malice or to, uh, to cruelty or to them being a bad person. That's where you take a small clue and you make a judgment from it that defines an entire person. And that is, I think, what Jesus is calling us not to be doing. I think when it comes to the religious leaders of their day, who, you know, even, even when you look at maybe even the, the whole life a person is living. We never get to see the whole life a person is living. But maybe someone doesn't make good decisions. Maybe someone, like, legitimately, day in and day out, is a grumpy person. Uh, they do suffer and struggle with anger. And it's, it's not something where you're just seeing a brief moment, but it actually does define them. But there are still questions to ask. There are questions to ask, like, what led a person to, that, to life in that way? 
And if I had experienced the same circumstances that they experienced, if I had, say, their poverty level, or if I had uh, their, uh, their environment in which they were raised, or the environment in which they currently live, like, there are so many factors that help shape who a person is and how they respond to others. Who's to say that if they had the circumstances I had, they, our roles wouldn't be switched? You know, like, human beings are complex. Whether you're only seeing a brief moment of their day, whether you're seeing someone who has vastly different life experiences than you, we need to be careful that we don't become the people who don't take that into consideration. God knows us even more intimately than we know ourselves. And I believe he's the perfect judge, but he can take everything into consideration. And then through the blood of Jesus, he can cleanse it all. We can't do that. We can't take it. We don't have the information. We don't have the, the, the knowledge of who you are and where you've been and what you're going through. We don't have the ability to declare someone uh, innocent and cleansed and pure by the blood of Jesus in the way that God does. And so for all of those reasons, we don't make a very good judge. So, so maybe what we could do is when you see someone going through something that's, uh, you know, they're not acting the right way, exercise patience, withhold judgment, maybe allow for a flaw in another person, and maybe instead of always having our eyes on other people, we turn them inward a little bit and look at ourselves. Because I bet, I bet we can all find moments that we've had like that. I bet we can all find things biblically, that, uh, that we have been wrong about at some point in our lives, probably even right now. Uh, you know, it would, be, it would be really neat if on the day of judgment I come to find out that I am correct on every single position that I hold about the Bible, like every interpretation, every word, everything. I was like, Travis Bookout is the ultimate gold standard. That would be wonderful, but I doubt it's true. Uh, I would brag so much, but uh, no. Um, <laughs> I doubt it's true. Uh, that wouldn't be a good response to that. Then I'd get in trouble. Anyway, um, the reality is we are all going to be flawed in our understanding of God's will, in our practice of God's will, and in the way we treat others. And we only have hope if God is gracious and merciful to us. So the challenge becomes for us to extend that grace and mercy to others to be the kind of judge that you want to have, to give others the patience you want God to have for you. Because from God's perspective, when we are condemning and ridiculing others, I think the, the illustration Jesus gives here is, is appropriate. In verse uh, uh, 3 through 5, it's funny. He says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice that there is a log in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me get that speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, imagine a person who's just like engulfed in flames, like fire everywhere, looking at someone else who's standing next to the oven saying, what a fool, why don't you get away from that oven, you're going to burn yourself. Like, to see an image like that, you would think, well, that's just a foolish image. That's, that's, you're the one who's engulfed in flames. And I think so often... The way God sees us, if we're condemning or critiquing some small matter in someone else's life, and he sees every sin we've committed, and he sees every thought we've had, to God, that's a foolish-looking picture 
for us with all of our sins, marred by all of our darkness, to be criticizing the one sin that we can see in another person. You remember, like, pretty much everything Jesus has said so far in the Sermon on the Mount has talked about internalized sin. Those are the sins we can't see. I I can't see your hatred I can't really see lust. I can't see dis- dishonesty. Uh, you know, there are there are ways that those uh, you know come out that you can see. Those are the those are the things that you can that you you know can figure out uh, when they're made visible. But like, if all you condemn is murder, you can see murder, but you can't always see hatred. God sees it all. Like when you go back in chapter six and you see someone offering long, beautiful prayers. What you see might be, oh, wow, a good, holy, pious person. When you see someone giving to the poor, you think, oh, what a generous and kind person. When you see fasting, you say, what a dedicated and holy person. But if God sees that all of those things are motivated by uh, getting the praise of man and by pride, then, like, God sees the logs that we don't see. He sees the, the, the sins that are absent to our vision. And so that's how God can so often see, like, when he looks at us, we all have logs in our eyes. Like, why are we walking around as though we're so superior to somebody else? It's just an inaccurate view of ourselves that gives us the feeling that we can be a good judge. If we're honest with who we truly are, we recognize that judgment is a wonderful job for God. And trying to receive and extend his grace is what my call is. So, as we bring our lesson to a close, um, God sees the world differently than we do. He has more information than we do. So let's let him be the judge. And if I want a merciful, kind, and graceful judge, then I should extend mercy, kind, and grace to others. As a church, you know what? There are times we're going to have to take a stand against sin. As Christians, there are times that we have to be able to say what sin is, and we can't say that that's okay. But when you do that, approach it with patience, with forgiveness, with love, and with an abundance of grace, because that's the type of judge that we want to have. So that's the type of judge that we should be. And if there's anyone here who is looking at your life, or if there's anyone uh, watching and streaming right now, and you're looking at your life, and you're aware of the sins that you are struggling with, there is a merciful, loving judge who will forgive you, purify you, cleanse you, and give you life. He will do it immediately. Uh, He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait for you to earn it. He extends it to you because he is a graceful and loving God. And if you want to take advantage of that, please do so. You can have your sins washed away in baptism right now, becoming a new creation, a new creature in his world. You can ask for the prayers of the church, and we would love to help pray for you and encourage you in any way that we can. But if you have the need, please let it be known. You can talk to one of our elders in the back, or you can come and sit on the front row while we stand and as we sing.